So what better way to start praying for the gifts? Let's go to 3.30. 3.30. Everybody knows all three of these songs, I'm pretty sure. So my, I'll lead us. However, I understand I am not uh, George Strait or anything like that. We'll run with what hair. I have. Huh? He's got hair. He's got hair. He's got more belly than I do, too. Than that too. Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. But you sing well. All five or? Yeah, why not? Why not? You, you think I sound that bad and you haven't even heard me yet? <laughs> we'll do all five. Alright, here we go, guys. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. go to the next verse guys as we sing these songs in church a lot of times we have the music and we're focusing on just singing sing them but listen to the words there's meaning into these words and if we i think the more we would understand the meaning behind the songs we're singing the more the song will mean to us as worship it's a sermon in and of itself the next verse
this was actually one that my kids, when they were little, used to sing whenever we'd be in the car and they were getting bored. This would be one of their songs. Unfortunately, the hymn <coughs> took out some of the verses, but uh, we'll sing what we have here. A pilgrim was I and a wandering In the cold night of sin I did roam When Jesus the kind shepherd found me And now I am on my way home Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me All the days, all the days of my life shall follow me all the days, all the days of my life. He restoreth my soul when I'm weary. He giveth me strength day by day. He leads me beside the still waters. He guards me each step of the way. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days, all the days of my life. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days, all the days of my life. When I walk through the dark, lonesome valley, my Savior will walk with me there, and safely His great hand will lead me to the mansions He's gone to prepare. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days, all the days of my life. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days, all the days of my life. Glory. Amen. Anybody recognize where those words come from? Book? What book? Psalm 23. Huh? Psalms 23. It comes out of the book. That's right. That's it. And remember, Psalms in the Bible were songs. Now, we don't know exactly the tune they were saying to then. That's, we're singing the psalms just as David wrote it. Different melody, I'm sure. But still, it was a song right out of the scriptures that we were just singing. All right, and then the last one we're going to sing for, for now is 424. Just one page over. Okay, I had to refresh my mind. It's been a long time since I sang this one. So I think I got this one. Walking in sunlight all of my journey. Over the mountains, through the deep vale, Jesus has said, I'll never forsake thee. Promise divine that never can fail. Heavenly sunlight, heavenly sunlight, burning my soul with glory divine. Hallelujah, I am rejoicing. Singing His praises, Jesus is mine. Shadows around me, shadows above me, never concealed my Savior and guide. He is the light in the 
darkness, ever I'm walking close to His side. Heavenly sunlight, heavenly sunlight, flooding my soul with glory divine. Hallelujah, I'm rejoicing, singing His praises, Jesus is mine. In the bright sunlight, ever rejoicing, pressing my way to mansions above. Singing His praises, gladly I'm walking, walking in sunlight, sunlight of love. Heavenly sunlight, heavenly sunlight, flooding my soul with glory divine. sound incredible this morning. Amen. So you can grab a seat. Everybody brought a Bible, right? Just because we're in, in, in the river shouldn't mean we go unarmed. got to have your swords, even if it's on your phone. That's a digital sword, I suppose. I have the same one every Sunday. The same one every Sunday? Yes. And, and it's at home on the coffee table? No, it's in the pickup. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's what mine is, too. Yeah. You need to mount one on that bike. Actually, you probably do have one of those motorcycle ones on the bike. I need to take that one. There you go. There you go. The um, as I was praying about what we were going to talk about this morning, but the Lord would lay on my heart. I've had a. I have to say too before we even get started, the Lord has blessed me each day this week. Each morning, I've been able to get up and have a an incredible quiet time. Sitting, I, I go outside the camper and I sit, and I've, I've got to watch the wildlife. I've had possums. I've had coons. I've had. I got two tame little squirrels that almost takes the apple cores out of my hand. Not quite, but they're almost there. But I see all the wildlife and, and, and no skunks, thank you, Jesus. But I, I see all this and I've just been uh, having a good time. But as I was thinking about what the Lord has blessed us with this week, I, I also was thinking along the lines of the river. You know, the kids are always wanting to go to the river. I wanted to go to the river. Why are we here? One of the reasons we came to this part because it has the river. And, Margaret, there's chairs with backs if you'd rather. No, I oh, okay. well, we can move the chairs, too. Yeah, that's good there. Sure, that's fine. Hey, sis. Maggie. Maggie. She said it's too sunny over there, Ted. Okay. It's not you. You're not the bright light. I try to be. But at, but as I was looking and praying about it, the Lord kind of touched me about the river. And as I was thinking about the river, I started just reading about the river. And I tend to, in my quiet times, unless the Lord's got me to spe- specifically aiming to something, what have you spoken to me this week? And that's why I started looking for verses. I started studying. And I started reading river verses. And this one just jumped off the page at me in, in, in the book of Joshua. So if you have your Bibles, you can be turned to Joshua chapter 4. Setting up for Joshua chapter 4, Joshua chapter 3, I could almost go into a Sunday school class about who Joshua was and what he did. However, let me just quickly say, rather than seeing who knows what, Joshua was one of the ones that came back early in the, in, in, into the after they exited out of Egypt and, and Moses sent the people out. Moses and uh, Jacob, J- 
Joshua and Caleb were one of the two that came back and said, God can take this land for us. Well, as we know, Moses didn't listen to that. And after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, Moses passed away. It's given over to Joshua. Joshua crosses over. Joshua leads the people into what we now know and is called as the promised land. The promised land represented the place where the gifts were that God wanted to give his people. Amen? That's, that's what the whole promised land was about. God wants to give us gifts as well. The gifts that God gives us is the salvation, the peace, the forgiveness, the, the, the direction, those kinds of things. Those are, are God's gifts to you and I. And to each one of us, they're unique. To each one of us, He fits them to who we are, the life we've had, how we can use them, how we utilize them, how we share them with others. The thing, though, that I want us to look at this morning is that just as God had the promised land laid out there for, for the Israelites, He has these promises laid out for us. But before the Israelites could get to the promised land, they had to cross a barrier. Before they could receive these gifts, they had to cross the Jordan River. They had to get to the other side. They had to go through these trials, if you will, to get to those promises. Even so today, I think God's people, for us to truly get to, to enjoy the privileges that God has blessed us with, the gifts that God's given us with, we have to cross a barrier. Those barriers are real. They are there. We need to focus on those. But I wouldn't go so far to say that it's a wonderful feeling, at least to me, when we get through those barriers. We can look back and look what God's done. If I was to have a testimony time, I bet every one of you could probably hold your hand up and, and say, you know, I remember when God did this for me. Or when I made it through this, and there's no way I could have done it on my own. But look what God has done. Now, in the midst of crossing, it can seem difficult. In the midst of the, the trial, it may seem hard. But when we get to that other side, the question this morning is, once we cross that barrier, once we get to that other side, once we go through whatever it is that God has has set for us to, to get over into the promised land, what do we do? What do we do at that point? And that's where Joshua chapter 4 picks up that I think we can learn a lesson here. What did the Israelites do when they, when they crossed that Jordan River? When we become a Christian, what, what, what should we do when we cross that side? When we discover God's will in our life, when we cross that barrier and realize, okay, this is what God wants me to do. If I was to title the, the message today, I would say something like the, the after the river sermon. You know, what do you do once you cross the river? When you get to that other side, you've been through the, the trial, you've been through whatever it is that God has designed for you, what do you do on the other side? We can learn a lot from what the Israelites did. In chapter 5, picking up there in chapter 5, uh, excuse me, Joshua 4, I think he answers that question well. Let's, at least several expectations that, that were given to the Israelites that I believe has been given to us. We're going to expand on those just a little bit. But in Joshua chapter 4, starting in verse 1, it says, After the entire nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord spoke to Joshua, Choose twelve people from the, tri from the people, one man for each tribe, and command them, Take twelve stones from this place in the middle of the Jordan where the priests are standing, carry them with you, and set them down at the place where you'll spend the night. So Joshua summoned the twelve men he had selected from the Israelites, one man for each tribe, and said to them, Go across to the ark of the Lord your God in the middle of the Jordan. Each of you lift a stone onto your shoulder, one for each of the Israelite tribes, so that this will be a sign amongst you. In the future, when your children ask you, What do those stones mean to you? You should tell them, 
the waters of the Jordan were cut off in front of the ark of the Lord's covenant. When it crossed the Jordan, the Jordan's waters were cut off. Therefore, these stones will always be a memorial for the Israelites. The Israelites did just as Joshua had commanded them. The twelve men took stones from the middle of the Jordan, one for each of the Israelite tribes, just as the Lord had told Joshua. They carried them to the camp and set them down there. Joshua also set up twelve stones in the middle of the Jordan where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant were standing. These stones are there to this day. The priests carrying the Ark continued standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything was completed that the Lord had commanded Joshua to tell the people. In, com in keeping with all that Moses had commanded Joshua, the people hurried across. And after everyone had finished crossing, the priests with the Ark of the Lord crossed in the sight of the people. The Reubenites, the Gadites, the half-tribe of the Manasseh went in battle formation. Very important here. They went in battle formation in front of the Israelites as Moses had instructed them. About 40,000 equipped for war crossed to the plains of Jericho in the Lord's presence. On that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel and they revered him throughout his life as they had revered Moses. The Lord told Joshua, Command the priests who carry the Ark of the Testimony to come from, up from the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priests, Come up from the Jordan. When the priests carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant came up from the middle of the Jordan, and their feet stepped out onto solid ground, the waters of the Jordan resumed their course, flowing over all the banks as before. The people came up from the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and camped at Gilgal on the eastern limits of Jericho. When Joshua set up in Gilgal the twelve stones they had taken from the Jordan, and he said to the Israelites, In the future, when your children ask their fathers, What is the meaning of these stones? You should tell your children, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over, just as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we had crossed over. This is so that all the people of the earth may know that the Lord's hand is mighty, and so that you may always fear the Lord your God. Amen. Hallelujah. After crossing the river, God's instructions to, to the Israelite people was to take 12 men, one for each tribe of Israel so that, that nobody's left out, tell these 12 men to go and, and, and grab a rock from the middle of the Jordan River where the priests were standing as they were holding the Ark of the Covenant. You're to go out into the middle of the river, grab this stone, and you're to stack them in a location where you're going to spend the night. You're going to take these stones, you're going to carry them, until I tell you to stop, and then you're going to stack these stones up, and they're going to become a memorial. That was Gilgal. So in Gilgal, they stack the stones, they make the memorial, everything's great, everything's up, everything looks good. This was their way on, of reflecting on what God had done for them, reflecting and, and, and giving blessings back to the Lord, how God had blessed them, and they're honoring Him by building these stones. They're erecting a memorial. Why? So he said so that even when your children ask you what happened, how did you get through this trial, how did you cross this barrier, you can say, remember the stones of Gilgal. God brought us through on dry land. It was God who got us to come through. The first thing I would point out, that when we come through the trials, when we cross the barrier, when we cross that river, if you will, of life that, that, that might have been incredibly difficult, the first thing we should do is stop and honor God. The first thing we should do is build our memorial with our words, with our actions, with who we are. The, 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 the word praise actually comes from the Latin word, which means to, to value, to, to give a price to. That's what it says here in Joshua 4. In other words, the, what they were doing was, was 
was saying that that they were going to that what God had done was invaluable, that what God had done for them was was worth all merit, that God had done it. So I could not do it on my own. It was them. We we honor God as well. When we get through those trials, we should be honoring God. How do we do that? When we fellowship, like right now. We you can, I know myself. I'm sitting here. I'm smelling the hush puppies. I smell the fish. I, I'm smelling lunch cooking in there. I'm hearing the river behind me. And I'm also thinking as I do so, I get to do this with friends. I get to do this not just with church members, not because I'm the pastor and I have to do this because this is my, my job or whatever. I'm here with friends. I'm here with brothers and sisters in Christ in the open air, as Ted pointed out, fellowshipping. The people in this camp know what we're doing. The people who run this camp know what we're doing. We are honoring God by coming out here openly, publicly, singing praises, reading the scripture, and proclaiming God. That's honoring Him. And we should be doing that. We honor Him when we follow in baptism. When we accept Christ and we are baptized, the baptism doesn't save us. The baptism is telling the world, the world, I honor God by telling the world, I choose not to live for me anymore. I choose to live for Him. I choose to focus on Him. When we serve other people, that's a biggie too. The very fact that, like Chad, well, God, I don't mean to call his name out, but he jumped up and gave Mark Maggie his chair. We should be doing these kinds of things, not because, oh, look how it makes me look, because it honors God. Now, I mentioned several ways how we honor God to point out that what they did there by building that memorial was honoring. We should honor God with our entire life. Because the problem with their memorial is, unfortunately, over time, it lost its value. It became a vain repetition. It became a, a dead religion, if you will. Oh, what do those rocks mean? Oh, yeah, God split the sea. That's hard. That, is that really honoring God any longer? That's not what God intended it for, but that's what people did with it. And I'm afraid that oftentimes we allow our religion. We come out here, we camp, we had a great week, we're having fun. We have the lake, the river, the lake, the food. We have all this stuff. But if we're just doing this to, for ourselves, that's not honoring God, and that's wrong. That's a dead religion. Going to church out here isn't because we have to have church. If you're here because you, that's what I do on Sundays, that's a dead religion. And that's not what God desires. God requires us to honor Him. What He told the Israelites there to do? I want a, a stone, a, a man from every tribe. In other words, I want every one of your tribes. I want all your people to know. And then I want your children to be able to come and ask you, what do those stones mean? Not because it's a dead religion, a vain repetition, but because they see they mean something to you. Folks, our children should, should come up to us and ask us, why do you go to church? Why do you sing? Why do you do this? Because they, we should be able to say, because my God is so awesome. Because of what my God's pulled me through. What my God has brought me through. And praise God. Yeah, uh, uh, that, that's one reason why we should interact with our children and let them know who God is from early on till old. Uh, it, it was beautiful ago when Lil Gwen wanted to show me how she can climb a wall. You may say, well, she's just climbing a wall. No, that gave me an opportunity to let her see that in church she can climb a wall and have fun. Now, this may not be church, but it is church. It may not be the building, but you know what? The church shouldn't be the building. We're the church. We're the ones who have the testimony, not that building. Now, this building here, it has a neat testimony. You know, when they were telling me how twice in the last six months this building, one... The water was at the middle of the windows. Another time, the water was at the bottom of the windows. 98, it was totally underwater. That's a neat testimony. Just those three things right there, and it's still standing. We should still be standing when we go through the waters of life. 
Why? Not because of how I'm constructed, but because of the foundation upon which I'm constructed in Jesus Christ. We should honor the Father. The Israelites were told to do this to honor Him. They were to build this memorial to, so that they would remember. We should honor God with every bit of our lives. Not just a part of it. Not just a corner of it. Not just on Sundays. Not just when we sit down to eat with other Christians. Not just when we are, are hanging out with other Christians. Every bit of our lives should be honoring God. If, we're, if it's not, now don't get me wrong, we all fail. We all make mistakes. But if we're not trying to honor God, then I would ask you, are you just caught up in a dead religion? Because God doesn't need our dead religion. He wants our hearts. He wants who we are. He wants us to just say, thank you, Jesus. And let the world see Jesus in us. That's what we are supposed to do. Say, God, here I am. The second thing I want to point out, first of all, honor God. The second thing is once we cross that river, we should be ready. We should be absolutely ready to do battle. You notice what it said? They came out of the water armed. They were ready for battle. These people came out of the Jordan River ready for war. Now, there's a couple lessons in that. First of which is that when you choose to follow God, when you choose to cross the river, when you choose to, to make a stand for the Lord, that does not mean your life's going to be trouble-free. We need to understand that. When we cross that river, we are making a stand for the Lord, and there's going to be people that do not like it. Hallelujah, here at this park, uh, the, the man came up and said that, uh, I mean, in fact, he bought us two 20-pound, the man, the park ranger guy, the volunteer, bought two 20-pound bags of ice, said, hey, I'm going to go back and make some cocktail sauce for y'all. Hallelujah. He likes the fact what we're doing. But I guarantee you there's places that are having church today where there's people trying to figure out how to keep them from having church. There's going to be obstacles. We need to be ready to do battle. We need to be ready to endure trials. We need to be ready not just to honor God. Yes, honor Him, but honor Him too by making that stand. When we cross that river, we need to understand that the, the, the New Testament points out repetitively there are going to be those who persecute us. Honoring God means being ready to make a stand. And the second thing that would say about coming out of that river arm, one being that, that as I said, that being a Christian does not mean you have a trouble-free life. But the second thing is to understand that the enemy is still alive. The enemy is still very much alive. You know, PBS ran a special one time on the this World War II, and he was talking about they were talking about the Battle of the Bulge. Now I don't know how hip you are on the history of World War II, but in the Battle of the Bulge, the Allies pretty much figured the war was won. They said they had bombed the, the, the Nazis so so badly, this is 1944, they bombed them so badly, ran them back behind their lines that, that, that they just were sure that Hitler's forces could never rise again. Everything was, was done. They were all driven behind German, Germany's perimeters and they, they spread their line to keep them in there. Now it was also said that the line was spread so thin that a man could come across the line and nobody even see him, that all kinds of activity could transpire. Why? Because they got cocky. They got arrogant. They were running around the countryside having parties. They were say, having speeches, giving dances about how the war was over. Germany was dead. It was all done for. That the, that the war was effectively over and, and, and everything was finished. The problem here is Hitler was devising a plan for one last onslaught. Hitler was already bringing everything together. He knew he couldn't win, 
But he was had underground places putting out all this armor, all this weapons, and all the ammunition. He was training up the oldest men and the youngest boys because he ran out of the actual fighting age people, bringing them all together to fight one last battle. So that when he sued for peace, it would be on his terms. He was he knew he couldn't win, but if he could separate the British and the American allies and demoralize them. He said, I may lose, but I'm going to make sure they pay the price and they'll have to come to me on my peace accord. The Battle of the Bulge, many, many men lost their lives. Why? Because though they were celebrating how the war was over, somebody forgot to tell the enemy that the war was over. Mm -hmm. I think there are a lot of churches today and a lot of Christians today that celebrate and think that the war is over and Satan's saying, guys, Satan's not stupid. He's read the same Bible we've read. He knows he can't win. But if he can separate Christians and get them fighting each other, if he can bring them down to thinking, oh, it's about vain repetitions and not really honoring God and watering down the Word of God, if he can do those things to us, if he can keep us in, the, in just a river atmosphere, you know, everything's happy, everything, I've had a great week, I've had a fun week. But if I get in the mentality that all my life's going to be fun and at the river, Satan's going to have a heyday. He knows he can't win, but if he can beat us, if he can separate us. And then what happens is all of a sudden we're demoralized. We were on top of the mountain. I thought I'd won. And now i got somebody cutting my legs out from under me. I have a Christian coming, supposed Christian, somebody that's coming up and backfighting and, and gossiping and causing turmoil. If I am not armed and ready for that, you know what happens? Oh, poor me. I get demoralized. I crawl in a corner. Am I honoring God by doing that? No. I honor God by being armed with the Word of God so that when that Christian, that non-Christian, whomever it is, comes against me and assails me, I can stand and remember the stones that were stacked. I can stand and remember the river I crossed. I can stand and say, you know, I praise God for what's going on. I praise God for the river He's crossed me through, the barrier He's brought me through. But praise God, this is, I'm on top of the mountain sometimes. I'm going to be armed and ready for battle the next day. Because in the end, I want to be able to say, as Paul, I kept my eyes on the prize. I fought the good fight. I ran the race to the best of my ability. And at the end of that race is a crown of glory, a crown of righteousness in store for me. Not because of who Frank is, but because of who he is, and I kept my eyes on him. It's easy to come to camps like this for a week and say, thank you, Jesus, and have a great time. And then get demoralized when we go back when the world assails us. Satan's going to assail you. He's going to attack. But if we are armed and ready, he'd rather attack those that aren't than you. That doesn't mean he won't attack, but he'd rather send most of his forces against the easy victories rather than the one that knows the Scripture and can take the Word of God and say, Get thee behind me in the name of Jesus Christ. What the Israelites can teach us, guys, after we cross that river, honor God and be armed. Be ready. Our spiritual enemy, he still lives. Until that day that God says he's going to return and cast him into the, that fiery pit that was designed and created for him, and he's going to cast death in there right along with him, until that day, our adversary is still alive. Now, I understand, and I, I hope this isn't you, but let me say this too. I was called out a little while back, some folks don't like military analogies in a church, but folks, let me tell you, we're at war. It is Amen. war. The battle, Paul said very clearly, there is a battle, not of flesh and blood, but of principalities of good and evil happening around us every day. It's not that I'm using a military analogy as much as I'm drawing the picture 
to the military reality that's going on around us. We are to be armed with this right here. We're to take the word of God and say, thus saith the Lord. Now the third thing I would say, we're to honor God. We should be armed for God. And the last thing, but, but obviously not the least thing, is remember why we're here. If you look at verse 24, verse 24 there, Sorry guys. Verse 24. Left it on my spectacles. Notice what he says in verse 24. This is so that all the people of the earth may know that the Lord's hand is mighty and that you may always fear the Lord your God. I love the King James Version there even a little bit better. It says the same thing but a little bit more clearly job, what we should be doing, our purpose, if you will, is to make sure that we honor God and everybody else that knows it. The people of the world should know whom it is that is in charge. It's not the prince of the air. We should live our lives so that everyone knows who he is. Now whether they accept him or not, that's their prerogative. But we should be living our lives to where people understand that, that we have an intimate relationship with the Lord and they can too. That we have a, an intimate relationship with Christ and that we'd like to share that same Christ that brought us across the barrier, that brought us through that river. We should be living our life. The whole part of stacking those rocks, coming out the other side armed, and making sure that the children knew what they had been through was so that the entire world could stop and say, I know who your God is. A believer's purpose is to know God and make Him known. How do you do that? By honoring Him and fighting for Him. This is a great week. We've come across the river, if you will. And there's rivers of, of turmoil in our lives and thing, things. The main thing I pray that we would get out of this message today is as Christians, we need to understand that we need to know Him and make Him known. We should be just as, just as passionate as we are that we know Him. We should be just as passionate as others come to know Him. There should be a passion. If we truly believe in Christ and who He is, we should be passionately sharing who He is. The difficulty arises when God's people quit feeling passionate about Him and when we quit sharing, quit feeling passionately about sharing who He is too. doesn't mean you have to beat people on the head. At RA camp last week, yeah, last week, I think, our weeks are running together, camp after camp. But, but, at RA camp, that pastor that was there, he walked around all day and he just, he was friendly. He was, hey, how's it going? Tell me about yourself, this, that. He didn't beat anyone on the head, but you knew by the end of the week, that man loved God and wanted you to love him just as much as he did. That's all we are called to do, guys. Honor God. Stand for him. That place of Gilgal, those stones were stacked. We know from the rest of the scriptures, the unfortunate thing is, it became a place of dead vain repetitions, a dead religion, if you will. I, and it breaks my heart to say this this morning, but I say it with all assurance and peace of mind. There's a lot of churches gathering today that are just vain repetitions and dead spirit. Whether it's a few of us gathered out here, a few of us back in Southern Springs, or thousands gathered in a mega church somewhere. God who should be honored. It is God who should be fought for. And it's God who should be shared with others. If we will 
worship that, then we're doing what God commanded Joshua to tell the people to do. If we're doing this out of dead, dead religion, vain repetitions, I'm going to go to church because I'm supposed to, I would ask you to check yourself. No, no, no. I'd ask you to go to the Lord and have Him check you. I don't know, I, I, I try not to use a lot of sports analogies, but if anybody played ball, whether it's basketball or even football, when you're covering a man, you check them. How do you do? Keep, your, keep hitting them with your hand. Make sure they're where they're supposed to be. Why? Because that makes sure you are where you're supposed to be. We should be checking in ourselves. Now, I'm right there with you. Now, if I stop and say, oh, I don't feel God, I better stop and get back where you at, Lord, so I can get right back checking myself where he is. In the military, put your arms out. You know, your, your man should be within arm's length of you. God should always be right there. I would say God should be on you, in you. Make sure you can see, touch it, feel it in your life. As Christians, do we cross that river? Yes, ma'am? Did you have your hand? No, I was getting here at my hands. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Michelle's going to preach the rest of the sermon. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go eat. <laughs> oh, that's wow. another 10 minutes now. All right. Everybody blame Michelle. After crossing the river, we should honor God with everything. After crossing the river, we should be ready to do battle. After crossing that river of life, whatever it may be, we should be remembering why we are here. To honor Him and share Him with everyone. Amen. I pray that if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, whether you've been in camp all week like some of us or if you're just here today, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I pray that the fish, the hush puppies, or the sausage, whatever your smell smells horrible. I hope that you won't think about food at all. But think about getting your heart right with Christ. Those men that Joshua told to go get those rocks out of the middle of the river, they did it because they were told to, but I bet they didn't quite like carrying them on their shoulder while they marched to Gilgal. They did it for God because they knew what He had done. Are you, you, there may be things God's called you to do. It may not be fun. Marching with a rock on your shoulder is probably not the most fun thing you want to do. But you know what? If you're doing it for the Lord to honor Him, then you'll do it with a smile on your face. Where are you this morning? you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I pray that you'll get with me after the service today. If you do, and you realize, wow, you know, I've kind of gotten to the vain repetitions. I've gotten to doing things just because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. I just do things, you know, so other people see that I'm a Christian. I wear the Christian t-shirts to honor, honor to, to tell people I'm a Christian. And there's nothing wrong with wearing the t-shirts. They should see I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer, and then we'll stop. We'll go eat and such. But guys, if you, this is a beautiful day. What better way to honor Him than enjoy the food that He's going to bless us with, enjoy the weather He's given us, enjoy the park today. Later on, you can come sit at some of the campsites or go play at the lake or the playground, whatever. But don't stop. Don't forget to honor Him. Let the rest of this park know why we're here today. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's keep looking up, guys. Keep focusing on who Christ is. And praise God for each one of you. And if, remember this river right here. Throughout the rest of your life, 
When there's a hard time, think of it as a river. And God's giving you a bridge to cross over. And then what are you going to remember? Oh, I need to honor Him. I need to be ready to fight for Him. I need to be ready to let others know who it is I'm honoring and fighting for. And then you cross the river. Amen? Amen. Danny, do you mind closing us in prayer, brother, and bless the food when you do so? Father, thank you so much for providing us this beautiful day and for giving us this campsite that we can come and just see what you what you've given us, nature and everything, and it's such a beautiful gift. Uh, so many times we go through our days and we we don't recognize and give thanks for all your many blessings, Lord. So thank you. We ask that you use this food to nurture our bodies and and that uh guide us and direct us in our daily lives that we may be used to bring you glory. We ask the things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Guys, I battered fish this morning. Other than that, you have to give the ladies what the setup is. I don't know. Well, yes, like I talk about about the military. Like it, throughout the Bible, God has used the soldier to protect the people. When they crossed the Jordan, what's the first thing? He sent the soldier out there, 40,000 like that, to protect the people. So, I mean, it, throughout the Bible, it, if you read the Bible, you, it, you know, it's from the beginning, almost all the way and it's all the, to the end, I think. It, 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 it's the military that uh, gets the job done. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why I, I also point that story out the same way uh, when there are Christians who tell me that we shouldn't be shouldn't own guns. Which yeah. there's, a, there's a pastor in Killeen that says that we should not own guns. And I told him throughout the scriptures, it says, be armed and ready to defend the scriptures. Now, I understand that this is arming, but there's a physical arming that goes along with it as well. (laughs) Amen, guys. Praise the Lord. Go ahead and let's get something to eat. Praise God for you.